I'm Kate Daniels. Alzheimer's, it's a word that can bring us literally to our knees. Many diseases can strike us with fear. With Alzheimer's, it seems just a bit different because it affects the mind. And I feel that this is what causes us to experience so much fear around it. But understanding brings awareness and hope. Carrie McBride works with the Alzheimer's Association in Western Washington, and she's here to bring both information and a big invitation. Carrie McBride, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And equally, I'm grateful that you're here, along with the fact that you work for the Alzheimer's Association, Alzheimer's being one of those words in our language these days that seems to kind of jar us or put us maybe on edge, put us in a place where, oh, I really don't even want to think about that. So here you are, you work for the Alzheimer's Association. How does that feel for you? Well, for me, um, actually, I have personal experience with Alzheimer's uh, disease and dementia in particular in my family. Um, since there is no effective treatment or cure for Alzheimer's disease, it can feel really helpless when you have a family member who's affected. There's not much you can do um, but love them and support them. And um, this job for the Alzheimer's Association gives me purpose. It makes me feel like I'm taking action and um, you know, doing something to really impact um, kind of what, where we're at with Alzheimer's disease in society. And so a, a little thing about that is we are making progress. Slowly, slowly but surely. Slowly I but mean, surely. what I can say is that um, so Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. And actually in Washington state, it's the third leading cause of death. Um, and it's on the rise as the baby boomers age and the population grows. Um, so does the prevalence of the disease. Um, in fact, they say every 65 seconds right now, someone is developing Alzheimer's disease in this country. And so it's a, it's a growing epidemic. And um, what we need is a cure. You know, um, historically, uh, the government in particular has put a lot of funding behind cancer research and um, heart disease research. And we can see that the impact from that um, is that fewer people are dying from heart disease. Um, in fact, I believe the statistic is that there's been an 11% decrease in the number of people who are dying from heart disease since 2000, whereas the number of people dying from Alzheimer's has actually increased by 123%. Um, and so one way that the Alzheimer's Association is kind of addressing that is through advocacy work. Um, we have a sister organization called the Alzheimer's Impact Movement, or AIM for short, um, they helped get the National Alzheimer's Project Act passed in 2012, which put together a plan to either um, find an effective treatment or cure for Alzheimer's um, by 2025. And in order to do that, they need $2 billion a year to spend on research. And we're almost there. So um, Seriously? We're almost, we're, al we're almost at the one. We're, right now we're at $1.9 billion. Um, annually that the National Institutes of Health is spending on Alzheimer's research. So that's promising because that's hopeful. Yes, the more research we can do, the more likely we are to be able to find a way to prevent it or cure it. And so um, there's a lot of good research being done right now. So that's really very encouraging. It is. Uh, and having someone like yourself, Carrie, you know, who has a personal connection. I also have a personal connection. 
And I think probably the majority of people know someone, if not in the immediate family, a family friend, no doubt, because of the numbers of people affected by this dreaded disease. That's right. Um, in the U.S., there's about 5.7 million people currently living with Alzheimer's disease. Here in Washington State, that number is about 110,000. Um, for every person living with the disease, there's three unpaid caregivers, usually fam- family members or loved ones um, who are providing care for them. So the impacts are far-reaching. Um, and again, it just continues to grow. So, um, you know, we say if, if you have a brain, you're at risk. And um, unfortunately, right now, that's true. Um, but we're, we're working to solve that problem. Right. And one of the things, as you said, that it, it is so encouraging that uh, those research dollars are, are really quite within reach of what's needed to really do the serious research or get it, you know, completely funded. Mm-hmm. What is important here is knowing, because of talking to the other organizations, like the, the Cancer Society and the Heart Association, they acknowledge that it's people involved doing what they can to raise funds that are so critically important. Same is true here, isn't it? It really is. Um, Whether that's um, people who are donating to our cause, we are the um, world's largest nonprofit funder of Alzheimer's and dementia research. Um, So whether it's making a donation or volunteering, um, it really, it, it makes a difference um, to have people involved. We have, a, I can't remember the exact statistic, we have a lot of advocates across Washington State um, who work with legislators on policy issues related to Alzheimer's. You know, even um, people who are involved in that way are making a big difference. So let's uh, jump to the one thing that we really want to promote, and we'll sure. get back to more general conversation about Alzheimer's. But one major way that we all can get active and participate is coming up here really soon. And we have a number of different options for this here in our Western Washington. That's right. So our walk to end Alzheimer's is coming up. Um, The first walk is September 8th in Bremerton and um, things wrap up in October in Everett on October 6th. So in between those dates, we have walks all over Western Washington, um, including in Seattle on September 29th and Tacoma on September 16th, um, and in Redmond on the east side here um, on September 23rd. So we have locations all over where people can get involved in this walk. Um, The Walk to End Alzheimer's is the world's largest event to raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's. Um, And what it does is all the um, funds that are raised at these events go towards supporting our local programs and services for people affected by the disease. And then it also funds um, that critical research that we talked about in terms of finding a cure. So obviously donations as part of the walk are a big thing, but is there a registration fee? Do you like people to sign up ahead of time? What kind of thing are we looking at there? Well, people can register online in advance. It is free to attend and walk. for a nominal donation, about $100, you can get a free T-shirt. Um, so on our website, which is alz.org walk, people can either um, register as a team captain, and that's a really fun option because then you can, um, you know, invite your family and friends and colleagues to come and join you on walk day. And, um, you know, can all wear your purple T-shirts. And it's a great sort of a, a community building exercise, I would say. Um, and you can fundraise together. 
Um, so you can register to, as a team captain or you can just register as an individual walker. And instead of asking those friends and family to join you on walk day, you can ask them to make a donation to support your walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have lots of different options. Our system is really easy to navigate. It helps people through that whole process. You can even link it to Facebook. And I'm sure many people have seen the Facebook fundraisers that people run. You can hook it up to Facebook and people on your Facebook account can um, donate. So it's a, um, I think for people who attend our walk, it's, it's a really meaningful event. Um, if, even if you just like doing charity walks and that's maybe why you're there. For most people, like you said, they have some sort of personal experience that drives them to the walk. Um, whether it's a family member that's been affected or someone in their life who's passed away from the disease um, so it's 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 a great event to raise money and awareness, but it's also a really meaningful event for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if we, by chance, don't know anyone, bless you, I guess, for being in that situation. But, you know, just to be involved and being part of the solution, that's kind of ha- giving the heart to what's going on, the donations to Funding the research, which, as you said, Carrie, is so critically important. And really, you know, to find a cure, that is what you said, right? A cure by 2025? A treatment or an effective treatment or cure. I mean, if we were able to figure out what causes Alzheimer's disease or dementia, and we know some risk factors, but it's not the same thing as being able to identify exactly what can cause it, and that way you can prevent it. Um, so like if, even if it's a, an effective prevention or treatment, um, they want to have something that will help people by 2025. Um, so, you know, the walks, even if you don't have someone in your life who's been impacted, um, I will say that it, it's still an opportunity to show people who are impacted that you're there to support them. Um, the, the walk is like one big support group. It's like what we like to say about it because – um, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia can be a really isolating disease to live with. Um, there's a lot of stigma around it still. We'd yes. love to change that. Um, but so people um, tend to get isolated. They're, you know, people that they used to be friends with don't know how to communicate with them anymore, or, or maybe um, they're too embarrassed to tell people they have a diagnosis. Um, so when you come together on walk day and you're surrounded by other people who have gone through the same thing and people who are just there to support the cause, I think it's... Um, It's a great way for people to know that they're not alone on this journey. One of the things um, to think about is in terms of caring for someone and not feeling alone, the Alzheimer's Association is really a terrific, a tremendous resource in in terms of providing assistance, direction, information, correct? Absolutely. Um, I think... People automatically associate the Alzheimer's Association with research, and of course we want people to make that association, but we also provide a lot of care and support programs for people who are affected by the disease. Um, We have a 24-7 helpline, that's 1-800-272-3900, where people can call anytime, day or night, for information. Um, They can ask questions like, these are the things I'm noticing with my family member. Is this normal, or is this... Should I be concerned? You know, they can ask any kind of question, um, get emotional support. We have care consultants, um, master's level care consultants who can um, also walk people through um, caregiving, you know, communication skills, um, talking about legal and financial planning, some of those more um, complex problems that arise when someone gets a diagnosis. So it's a great resource for people. And then locally, we have support groups. 
We have a number of support groups, dozens, I would say, probably in the Puget Sound area for caregivers, um, people living with the disease, so some early stage memory loss um, support groups, and some real specialized ones, too, for like long distance caregivers. I know that there's a lot of people in Seattle who aren't from here and their families are somewhere else. Um, and when they're, you know, when a parent, for instance, starts to show um, signs and symptoms and you're far away, that's a really difficult thing to go through. So that's one of our specialty groups. Um, so we have just a number of resources. And I would encourage people to check out our website, ALZ.org, to kind of figure out um, what might be available to help them. And we'll do a little plug here, a little promo for sure. November timeframe when we're going to meet again and have some other guests with us to really delve into that uh, with a little more specifics and more information. But in the meantime, someone may need this information right now. So definitely go to the website. Go to the website. Reach out to us through the helpline. Um, find out what kind of resources are available. You know, I think it's important to note, too, that Alzheimer's um, is the diagnosis is not necessarily the end for someone. Um, if you're diagnosed early enough, there's still a lot of time to uh, participate in your own care planning and the legal and financial matters, like I mentioned. And there's still a lot of time to enjoy life. And there's a lot of good programs in this area um, for people living in the early stages of the disease. Um, there's a whole uh, a, a whole program called Momentia, which is a bunch of different um, organizations that do programs like ballroom dancing, artwork, painting. There's, they have a theater group. Um, we do zoo walks. So once a week, you can go to the zoo and walk with people who are, you know, living in a similar situation to you and then have a cup of coffee afterwards and talk about other things. Um, so there's a lot of really good programs like that as well. So that's something to really remember because I think remaining engaged is a big piece of it. I think knowing uh, that uh, some of the research shows being more social, more socially active really helps to maybe kind of delay the onset or the progression of the disease, correct? It can. So when we talk about, um, we have like a, uh, a program where we talk about like 10 ways to love your brain. And one of those ways is really social engagement. So for people who are um, completely healthy right now, know that that social engagement piece is really important. And it's as important, if not more important, for people who have an, are, you know, a diagnosis um, to stay engaged in the community, to meet other people um, who are going through the same thing, um, and to really start to build a network around, around them mm -hmm. and, their, and their loved ones. For the caregiver support. Mm -hmm. Well, and that is important too. The caregiver, you were saying how most of the caregivers are unpaid because they're family members or friends that are helping to uh, support and, and give that care. And it's important to find out more information about that, how to uh, engage perhaps paid support and that sort of thing, isn't it? It is, and we offer a lot of education for family caregivers. Um, we have a conference in the spring each um, in Seattle at the Convention Center. We have some family caregiver um, conferences in Snohomish County as well, um, and some workshops here and there around communication, um, around um, trying to remember some of the different ones. But there's a lot of different educational workshops that mm -hmm. people can attend to learn 
how to provide better care to their loved ones because it is a challenge. It's a big challenge, and I a lot of people who are caregiving are working. Um, they have to miss work. They start to scale back their hours, and that can be a financial burden. Um, there's a lot to consider, and so um, knowing where to turn when you're not sure what to do, um, you know, call our helpline, check out our website. We have um, online support groups, too, where you can just find out what did other people do when they, you know, experienced something. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of great resources out there. And one of them, I'm thinking in terms of when my father, my dad was beginning to show signs of dementia, that it's a 24-7 kind of thing. It's not that the caregiver, in this case, the spouse, my mother, gets really any reprieve. It, it, you can. It's so exhausting in that way because the person may have these really weird uh, sleep and awake hours. So finding out how to, the resources to, to get a break, to, to find some sort of avenue that uh, other care might be available, or like my dad went to a day center type mm -hmm. of thing. So knowing those things. Yes, and we can definitely make referrals for those types of programs. And there are many here um, in the Puget Sound area. We're really lucky as a community to have those types of resources here, some respite services, some adult daycare, that kind of thing. So we can definitely help you with that. So we, uh, I was mentioning then the dementia. We've talked Alzheimer's, dementia. My dad was given a diagnosis of dementia. His younger brother, though, was Alzheimer's, like a really severe Alzheimer's. They, there's a connection, obviously, but they are different. Right. So dementia is really a broad term for any kind of memory loss that affects daily living. Um, and under that sort of dementia umbrella, there are certain diagnoses. And Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia. It's the most common diagnosis. Um, and that's caused by plaques and tangles in the brain. And, um, you know, there's a genetic component for some people, um, but they're still trying to figure out how these plaques and tangles develop and, you know, how can we prevent that from happening? Mm -hmm. um, so that's just one diagnosis. Um, but there are many other types of dementia. So um, my grandfather um, had vascular dementia, which is um, caused by mini strokes. Um, and my sister is actually living with frontal temporal dementia, which is also called FTD, um, which tends to hit women in their 40s and 50s. And um, again, just a different, it usually has more of a behavioral component at first. So there are many different types of dementia. That's just a really broad term for memory loss. Right. And that already is sounding so interesting and should Give us that information to know that there is this spectrum, uh, spectrum in terms of just a variety of different types or forms of the disease. And that's where there's so much to deal with. And that's why the research and our commitment to being involved to, to raise those funds is really so critically important. It really is. I mean, um, Alzheimer's is the costliest disease in the country. Um, it costs somewhere upwards of $277 billion annually, and um, most of those expenses are covered by Medicare and Medicaid, of course, which we're still paying for um, through our taxes and that kind of thing. But um, families are paying a large part of that, too, in out-of-pocket expenses. I mean, it can bankrupt a family. Um, and it, it's not just the financial toll. It's the emotional toll of the disease. It is very difficult to watch a loved one um, lose their memory, 
a little bit at a time and to start, like you mentioned, some of the behaviors to start to develop and that kind of thing. Um, there's a sense that that the person isn't the same as this, not the same person that you once knew. And that's somewhat true. It's just a different version of that person that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, difficult disease, both financially, emotionally. Um, and that's why we're here to help through our support programs. Really that research is hopefully the key to solving all of this. Eventually we would love to say that there is a first survivor of Alzheimer's. That's kind of our, um, theme for our walk to end Alzheimer's. Um, you'll see ads running on TV about the first survivor. That's what we are really hoping for. You know, our vision's a world without Alzheimer's. And every we say every walk is like one step closer to that vision. And I've seen those ads. They are incredible. I they I really reach into our emotional level, I feel. And so they they are powerful. Yeah. So during our walk to end Alzheimer's, we have what's called a promise garden ceremony. Um, and when people register, they have the opportunity to pick up a garden flower. We call it, It's a promise garden flower is what we call it. And the color of the flower represents your connection to the disease. So we have blue flowers for people who are living with the disease and purple flowers for people who've lost someone. And there's a few other colors. Um, but during the ceremony, we raise a white flower. And we say that that white flower represents the first survivor and that someday we want to see a sea of white flowers. And that's um, one of the most poignant moments of the walk is really seeing the hope in people's eyes and um, but also seeing them connect with everyone else in the audience who maybe has the same connection they do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is emotional. It is. And, and so hopeful again, thinking that th- there's definitely the possibility we see so much change and advancement made in science with research. So definitely, you know, the possibility is there. Great minds exist to that are looking into this and working on it. So that's right. Besides funding research, we also convene researchers from across the globe who are working on this issue. Um, I was just in Chicago last month for our um, Alzheimer's Association International Conference. And um it's a place where researchers from all over can come together, share their research, and I think just spark new ideas. Um, it's really an exciting time to be involved in this cause because I, I feel like we're on the brink of something really important. And I think it's going to take a lot of different people to make that happen. And reaching across borders, you know, reaching around the world makes so much sense because we're not unique with this disease, uh, I'm sure if we looked around the world, we would see that it exists everywhere. It's a global epidemic. And um, it, just an interesting tidbit, um, we are the largest nonprofit funder of research. Um, but in the world, the United States government is joined by uh, the Chinese government as the top two funders of Alzheimer's research. And there's also a lot of really good research coming out of Europe. Um, they're doing studies now to figure out, we've always assumed that if you had a healthy heart, you had a healthy brain, but it's never really been validated. And so that's, I know, one of the global um, research efforts is really around verifying that that is true, that if you have normal blood pressure and um, you keep your cholesterol low and you avoid smoking and those types of things, that um, your brain health will be as good as your heart health. Um, So so if we can figure out how to prevent it, I think that's going to be that's going to make a major impact on finding a cure. 
Oh, mm-hmm. indeed. And so that's where we each have an opportunity. Just think, you know, we might be that tipping point. Any one of us, uh, all of us together, though, definitely can be that tipping point where we get to the place of uh, that perfect research or a variety of researches that uh, provide prevention. Right. I mean, imagine going to our walk this fall and then, um, you know, there's a new development, you know, soon after you can feel like that was something that you contributed to. And um, I think that's going to be really exciting. I would love to see something like that. I mean, they say by 2025, but I definitely just want to see it in my lifetime, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with my family being impacted the way it has been and my sister um, at such a young age, I there's hope for my nieces and nephew um, who are young, you know, like I don't want to see them go through this themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the walk is how we get there. It's how we raise the funds. It's how we raise awareness um, about the disease. You know, when you see 2,000 people um, at Seattle Center wearing purple, you know there's something special going on. Um, so, and, you know, so just to let people know that this is sort of a crisis, public health crisis that we need to address. There's a lot of good research being done, but we can't do it alone. Um, we would love to have people join us. And when we say it's an epidemic, yes, that's equals crisis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, We, so right now I mentioned there's 5.7 million people in America living with the disease. That number is expected to increase to 14 million by 2050. Um, and so, and you can imagine that if it's costing $277 billion now, what that means in terms of cost to society down the road. Um, but we don't want that to happen. Right. No, we want to prevent that because we don't want to live in that kind of world. We don't. So we want to take whatever it takes now. And a great way to do it is to come to a walk. So right now we have the opportunity to choose from a variety of walks here in Western Washington. We do. Our largest walk is in, it really is the Seattle walk. Um, We call it the Pacific Northwest Walk to End Alzheimer's. It's on September 29th. Um, That's a Saturday. Um, We have a special guest coming, um, Andy Elhadef, who is, um, she's from a well-known family here in this area, and she's going to sing what we've adopted as our theme song for the walk this year. It's called One Step Closer. Um, And Again, like I said, for every walk, we feel like we are one step closer to that vision of a world without Alzheimer's disease. Um, uh, on Warm 106.9, they're a media sponsor of ours, so we thank them for that. And Alan Fee is one of the MCs, so we're looking forward to that, too. It's a really great time. But if you can't make it to the Seattle walk, there's walks all over. And again, you can find those at alz.org walk. And just plug in a zip code and... It'll tell it's you so what's nearby, yep, right. which which walk, and you can choose which date works best for you and where you're willing to travel to. Um, we have one walker right now who plans to do all of the routes. Um, maybe he can't make it to the actual walk dates, but he's going to do all of the walk routes. Um, we actually host 16 walks in our service area, which is um, all of Washington State and northern Idaho. So even if you have family on, you know, in Spokane, for instance, and you want to go visit over there, we've got a walk there for you, too. That is so terrific. So many opportunities. How long is the walk? How far do you walk? The average walk is about two miles, and we usually have um, a one-mile route for people who maybe can't go as far. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fully accessible. It's family and dog-friendly. 
Um, so it really is for anyone to come and participate. And make it a, a family friend event, if at all possible, because that will kind of uh, spur the energy and I think we'll feel so much more positive and elated and and uh, put a fun spin on this. Yes, it's serious, but if we keep optimistic and doing the all the steps that it takes, we're going to reach that cure state or prevention state even. That's right. I mean, to me, the, um, the biggest teams probably have the most fun. You know, we have people who come in. Um, I know I have a, I've seen a photo recently of a group of people who come in Viking um, <laughs> costumes, you know, come and, and bring your flair and bring your friends and your family and your pets. And, um, you know, it's, it's a short ceremony. And then we walk you know, the whole process is over in a couple of hours, and it sets your whole weekend upright for a, for a fun and inspiring time. Yes. What a great way to start a day and, and to start a lifetime of change. Yes. Right? Absolutely. We would love to have people join us. Carrie McBride, you really are an inspiration. I so appreciate the work you're doing. I understand the personal connection. Obviously, that is is part of your energy, but you certainly are uh, really a great spokeswoman for this cause. So thank you for being here and inspiring us. Well, thank you for sharing your personal experience as well. I hope that it resonates with people and that they reach out to us for help if they need it. Yes, we do hope so.